Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. In 49 other states, football is just a game. But this is Wisconsin. The Green Bay Packers have won the Super Bowl. The Lombardi Trophy is coming home. Wisconsin fans demand the best. The best analysis, the best interviews, the best coverage, and no one delivers like the Big Show Radio Network. to say this is quite the entrance welcome in it is the huddle served up by bud light seltzer unquestionably good thanks for tuning in tonight radio joe zola here on the big show network across the great state of wisconsin and here we are just a couple of days away can't get here soon enough packers and buccaneers at lambeau field it is certainly going to be one hell of a matchup, and we are going to break all of this down here in the next couple of hours. But of course, earlier today, we had some very sad news as Ted Thompson passed away at the age of 68. Definitely came out of left field. No one was expecting that. Tom Silverstein was the first that had the news, and the Packers would later have statements They had everyone from Aaron Rodgers to Brian Gutekunst to Matt LaFleur. Even Mike McCarthy talked about it as well. But quite the legacy for Ted Thompson. And that's where we're going to lead off with tonight. On tonight's show on the panel from our flagship station in Milwaukee, 1250 AM The Fan. He is one Ryan Horvat, who you can also hear from 5 AM to 6 a.m. It's essentially the Ryan Horvath show. Like, I don't care. Like, no disrespect no disrespect to Bart Winkler, Ryan, but it's really your show from 5 a.m. to 6. What's going on? Thank you, Joe. I appreciate that. And you know what? All disrespect to Bart Winkler. No, I'm kidding. But when you spend every day with the same person and you see him bright and early at 6 a.m., you get sick of him. I'm kidding, of course, though. I'm uh, I'm doing good, Joe. I've been excited, obviously, for this game. But today, obviously, like you said, uh, bittersweet with Ted Thompson passing away. And um, you know what sucks? Obviously, I mean, it sucks that a 68-year-old man that I think everybody, uh, obviously, all, this whole fan base, obviously, loved, uh, passes away at only 68 years old. But he doesn't even – what hurts, I guess, the most is when you think about it, he pretty much put this roster together. Like everybody that's going to make a big contribution on Sunday, Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones, uh, Kenny Clark, uh, David Bakhtiari, who unfortunately won't be suiting up because of a torn ACL, Corey Lindsley, Mason Crosby, Kevin King, Dean Lowry. You think of all those names, and I think the Packers are going to get it done. I think they're going to win the Super Bowl, and it just stinks that uh, Ted's not going to be around to see it when he's responsible really for putting this core together. Yeah, no question about it. Also on the panel tonight from CBS 58, 
uh, friend of the show, of the network. This is, I want to say, his third or fourth appearance on the huddle this year because we have to have this man on a lot. He is Kevin Holden of CBS 58. Kevin, um, first of all, how are you? And secondly, we will start with Ted Thompson. So, um, I mean, what what is the one thing that you remember most about Ted? So thanks for having me, Joe. And, and uh, yeah, I, I do think it is a must just because, you know, when you have me on the show, it means that I won't just be like, you know, banging on your back door for like weeks at a time. Like the knocking <laughs> kind of stopped, you know, if you, if you have me on every once in a while, I won't, I won't be back there just like, let me on. So, uh, so I appreciate it. But it's it, the Ted Thompson era. It, I, to me, the thing that stands out, I mean, look, the first pick was his best pick one of the best picks ever Aaron Rodgers passed over by, you know, the two thirds of the league. And then he comes in and, and, you know, swoops up, grabs Rodgers and begins this new golden era of Packers football. That's the most obviously memorable moment of the Ted Thompson era. But the thing that will stand out to me the last few years, notwithstanding, especially the early years was how Ted would turn a fourth rounder, a fifth rounder into, into uh, competitive pieces for the team because you can preach draft and develop all you want, but first round picks are supposed to be difference makers. Second round picks are supposed to be good players. How the Packers stood out was the depth of that roster. And that came from very shrewd maneuvering, great scouting and great trades to get these mid round picks that, that turned into so many good bit players for the Packers over the years. Well, and the other thing too, is with, when it comes to Ted Thompson, you know, we we found ourselves in like the first half of his tenure as a GM, he hit on so many different guys. I mean, it was really impressive how he was able to build teams just by looking at the draft and draft alone. And when you can hit at that rate, that, I mean, I, I don't care who you are. That's definitely going to put you in the conversation for a Super Bowl every single year. The second half of Ted's tenure he wasn't hitting on as many draft picks, and there was a lot of criticism from fans as to why he wasn't doing enough in free agency. Now, we kind of saw towards the later ends of Ted Thompson, there were guys like Julius Peppers he was able to bring in. The Martellus Bennett signing at the time seemed to be a pretty big deal, and then that blew up in the Packers' face. But we kind of saw Ted start to adjust a little bit with some of those signings. But at the end of the day, Ryan, I mean, you mentioned it with a lot of those names. Yeah, there were some reasons to be mad at Ted Thompson, but those positives totally by a mile outweighed the negatives with him as a GM. Oh, absolutely. Especially when you consider the fact that here we are, it's the 2020 season and his first pick is still the quarterback and most likely is going to win an MVP here in a couple weeks and has a good possibility of beating Tom Brady and the Buccaneers on Sunday to advance to the Super Bowl. Pretty impressive. You look at his record. I mean, as GM, the Packers went 125, 81 and one, six division titles, four conference championships. I mean, that is just ridiculous. And I, I think that sometimes, you know, we see the one Super Bowl ring for Aaron Rodgers and we saw the one Super Bowl ring for Brett Favre. And yeah, there were some big names that we wish that we would have acquired, uh, you know, in Randy Moss. I wanted Randy Moss. He ends up going to New England and they break all sorts of records. But what Ted did was build through the draft. And I think in the NFL, you know, even this season, there were guys I wanted. I wanted Will Fuller. But when, when you look at what Brian Gutekinds even does, and he's obviously a student of Ted, you don't win in the NFL through free agency. You set yourself up with 
no cap space and no draft picks. I mean, even making these trades that we wanted, you know, these guys to make like, like a Cleo Mack, for example, like the right. bears have set themselves back for years by trading all those draft picks. Now they want to replace their starting quarterback in Mitchell Trubisky because he's clearly not the guy, but they can't do so because they don't have the draft pick. So I think Ted always just made the smart decisions and, you know, obviously as a fan base, we always want more. And we see Tom Brady win a Super Bowl every other year. We see the six Super Bowl rings. We see the Patriots do it. And we think, why can't we do this? Well, it's really hard to win Super Bowls. And I think sometimes maybe we did take Ted for granted. And you mentioned the last couple drafts and there were picks that he didn't hit on. There were picks that he really reached on. Uh, like I could think of Quentin Rollins, Demarius Randall, you know, some picks that really just didn't work out. Jarrell Worthy. Man, I just named those names. Right. But you look at these names, Aaron Rodgers, you know, Corey Lindsley, and these guys are still playing at a very high level. So, and it's just uh, really tough news to get today and very unexpected. Yeah. Matt Schneidman uh, put out a tweet earlier from the athletic, and this was just a list of notable Ted Thompson draft picks. You mentioned some of them, Ryan, but it's like Aaron Rodgers, Nick Collins, Greg Jennings, James Jones, Mason Crosby, Jordy Nelson, Josh Sitton, Clay Matthews, TJ Ling, Brian Bulaga, Randall Cobb, David Bakhtiari, Devante, Corey Lindsley, Kenny Clark, Aaron Jones. I mean, that that is just, that's insane for this GM you just you you try try taking that kind of track record up against any other general manager that's in the Hall of Fame and that's the thing Kevin when we talk about Ted Thompson and maybe it's something that you have to chew on a little bit more but I got to think Ted Thompson might get that gold jacket when it's all said and done based on this kind of legacy that he's been able to accomplish I think that's I think that's that's a legitimate thing. Yeah, there's no reason why uh, a legacy like Thompson shouldn't be honored. And here's the other thing, too. Uh, Thompson was part of of both recent golden eras of, of Packers football because he was, you know, with player personnel during the Brett Favre era when, you know, he was his job. Uh, back when he was first starting in, in player development to look at Brett Favre and to tell Ron Wolf, yeah, you should probably go get this guy. I mean, Wolf had the idea to get him, but he ran it by Thompson. And Thompson, Thompson's like, yeah, I think it's worth giving up a first-round pick for him. And he was right there, too. So yeah. that's, uh, you know, those were really two errors that he, he played a role in. I mean, if there's any knock at all, and and I and I know some of the later draft picks didn't pan out the way that Packers fans had hoped. It's that the list you read off was like eighty five percent offensive guys. I think Ted's uh, drafts were uh, just incredibly reliable when it came to offensive guys, and it was a matter of how you built the defense that was the difference in what could put the Packers over the top. Which is, I think, why he drew some criticism during his time as GM because the signing of Charles Woodson put him over the top for a Super Bowl. And I think fans wanted another Charles Woodson or they wanted someone to fill some of those gaps on defense. It did feel like they were chasing defensive linemen, but I'm nitpicking when you're, when you're talking about building a successful team for a long time, for the long term, uh, Ted Thompson was, was there and, and he, you know, helped them year after year and he's still helping them now. You know, and going back over to Brian Gutekunst, Torvald, you had mentioned this too. I mean, you know, Brian Gutekunst, there was a lot of questions when he succeeded Ted Thompson. You know, would he be just like Ted? Would he be a clone of Ted where it was just focusing on draft and development only and not doing enough when it came to free agency and trades? Brian Gutekunst has elements of Ted Thompson, but he's been able to do everything else that Packer fans have been begging for, and that has been a really cool thing about Goody. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you saw it, I mean, pretty much year one when they were very, very aggressive or, you know, year two, when you consider that they go out there, they spend all that money on Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, Adrian Amos, and what Kevin brought up is a great point. Like, God bless Ted Thompson. I love him. I just wish that he could have found that defensive back in the draft, man, because he just wanted that defensive back. He wanted that defensive end. You know, there were some bad deals in there, too. I wouldn't have probably given Nick Perry $14 million a year. He broke his arm pretty much every other year. He was always in a club. But, you know, with Brian, um, he is a Ted disciple. You know, he was very aggressive uh, this year in the draft, obviously. I think everybody knows I didn't love the Jordan Love pick, but he found his guy. and He traded up and he got his guy. Uh, you know, you look at the other picks, everything is pretty much hit. You know, a lot of us criticize the uh, Rashawn Gary pick. He's second on the team in quarterback hurries right behind Zedaria Smith. He has proven that he is, I think he's going to be an all pro eventually. I think he's going to be a digit sack guy. And he's also very good against the run. Um, you know, Adrian uh, or Darnell Savage Jr. Same thing. I mean, it looks like he hit on him. He's been really good the second half of the season. So that's what I like is you get the perfect mix. Like you said, Joe, with uh, Brian Gutekinds, he'll be aggressive when it makes sense in free agency. He's not going to reach for guys. He's not going to get a bunch of draft picks because, again, that's not how you win in the NFL. You have to hold on to those draft picks. Yeah, absolutely. And one other um, one other thing I'd be curious about with Kevin is uh, we're talking about Ted Thompson. And for those of you just joining us, I'd, I'd like to think most of Packer Nation knows by now, but Ted Thompson passed away earlier today at the age of 68. But, Kevin, you were around Ted Thompson a lot up in Green Bay. And, I mean, there were there always seemed to be like two different kinds of Ted's. You had media Ted where he would hardly speak to the media. And when he did speak to the media, he gave you absolutely nothing, but he always found something entertaining. And then there was this other personable side of Ted. And I don't know how much you got to be around that aspect, but certainly with media Ted, it was very hard to get like some like important information out of him when you needed him to. Yeah. If you were looking for like a, a true, breakdown when you're talking about drafts for example when he would come out and talk about drafts get you know something specific <clears throat> out of him sometimes it was really difficult to do it was difficult to get him to 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 drill down onto a specific thing probably because his mind was focused on that whole that draft as a whole but the other the other side the personable side I do have a story from that that time so 2012 uh, our station, CBS 58 in Milwaukee, is tied into Telemundo, Wisconsin. That's also in our building. 2012, we began Packers preseason broadcast in Spanish on that channel. And uh, it was, for us, a huge day. I mean, for a huge time for us at, at this TV station. So Ted's in front of the media, and he's talking, and I'm like, you know what? I need something that I can use. I'm just going to ask him while he's standing up there speaking to media Ted, how do you feel about the, the Packers games being broadcast in Spanish starting this preseason? And he turned to me and he said, I think it's fantastic. And he went in for the next like 30, 45 seconds and, and, get, and spoke from the heart, not to media, but from the heart, the encouragement of bringing a, a new audience in and expanding what the Packers could do, that sort of thing. And that uh, it, it was it was the most personable that that Ted Thompson had ever been, and it was it was encouraging to our group because we were scared to death. We were trying to bring in you know a new thing in a foreign language. We you know that's that's not an easy thing. Uh, Ted was Ted was tremendous and and encouraging and did so in front of a room of people. So I'll never forget that. 
He is Kevin Holden of CBS 58 on the panel alongside Ryan Horvat from 1250 AM, The Fan in Milwaukee. I'm Radio Joe Zenzola looking back on the life and legacy of Ted Thompson, former Packers general manager who again passed away today at the age of 68. But on the other side, we will switch gears. We will talk some Packers. We'll start looking at this game. And first, we want to look back at their big win against the Rams and what stood out for both Ryan and Kevin. That's coming up on the other side here on the huddle presented by Bud Light Seltzer. Unquestionably good. We will have more right after this. Wisconsin wide, the big show radio network. Well, this is the pinnacle, you know what I mean? Everything. Obviously this is what you get in the game for it. This is why I started playing ball at eight years old. Um, you want to you wanna win championships, and uh, we is right there in front of us. Uh, and I think uh, the difference between last year and this year, I think as a, as a whole, we all understand the task at hand. And, you know, this game doesn't even matter if we don't get to the big game. Yeah, you definitely cannot look past this one, especially when you're dealing with Tom Brady. That was Mercedes Lewis of your Green Bay Packers. I mean, the dude's 36 years old now, and it would be really cool for him to get to Tampa Bay for that Super Bowl. Welcome back. It is the huddle served up by Bud Light Seltzer. Unquestionably good. I'm Radio Joe Zanzola. Thanks for joining me tonight. And also on the panel from 1250 AM, the fan in Milwaukee is one Ryan Horvat. And also from CBS 58 in Milwaukee is Kevin Holden. So let's get into the X's and O's of the Green Bay Packers. Um, after we had just finished talking about Ted Thompson. Uh, first of all, let's look back at the game against the Rams because how can you not? That was a hell of a football game for the Packers, especially on the offensive side of the football. Um, Ryan, I'll start with you. If there was one big takeaway from that game, what was it for you? I loved seeing all three running backs, minus the A.J. Dillon fumble, but he was injured on the play, so I'm going to give him a free pass. I loved seeing all three running backs on the same drive. I love for the first time really in Aaron Rodgers' career, he has a legit run game. Now there were, you know, I really liked Eddie Lacy. I liked James Starks, but three backs who are capable of going for over a hundred yards any given game is a beautiful thing. The Packers in this game, Joe, against the Rams, they're going against a Rams defense that was only given up 93 rushing yards per game. On the ground, they're only giving up three yards per carry. And the Packers Still, on early downs, Matt LaFleur, in my opinion, becoming one of the best play callers in the NFL, runs the ball 36 times. That was the most in a playoff game since Aaron Rodgers has become the starting quarterback of the Green Bay Packers. By doing that, the Rams then start playing some cover four. They start cheating the safeties up and trying you know, to play them in the box to stop the run. Aaron Rodgers in that game, 7 of 10 off play action, 102 yards and a touchdown. If you look what he's done all season. That's been the big difference since LaFleur's taken over. It's not just the pre-stamp motion. It's the running game, and it's the play action. Rodgers this season, 22 touchdown passes, no picks when using play action. So for me, it was the play calling. It's the fact that just Matt LaFleur continues to get better every single week. Kevin, what say you? What was your biggest takeaway from that win over the Rams? Well, I'm going to piggyback off of what Ryan said about the run game and say this. I think if there was a a, a point – where I thought the Packers could unravel this past week, it was going to be on the offensive line. They were finally meeting a really good defense. It was in the playoffs, and David Bakhtiari wasn't going to play. And the question was, okay, with this new level, with this ramped-up 
you know, playoff atmosphere, how would they respond? And that offensive line was phenomenal. They were, they were great in that, you know, they, they helped set up what Ryan's talking about with the running backs and, and, you know, running it that often and helping Rodgers, giving him a little help on that front. But they were also just good at frustrating a really good defense. Elton Jenkins and, uh, and Aaron Donald just going after it on that one play uh, had me thinking like, man, that is that image is the one you want as a Packers fan. If you've got you know, Rams and their you know, best defender frustrated that early. Uh, that was a, that was a really good sign that would bode really well. So that offensive line sort of caps off this elite idea. You've got Aaron Rodgers as an MVP quarterback. You've got Devontae Adams as, you know, the best receiver anywhere. You've got Aaron Jones as an all world running back and you've got an offensive line to set it all up. That is a tough combination to beat. Doesn't matter who you're facing in the playoffs. Yeah. And again, going back to the offensive line too, Ryan, I mean, that was the big thing going into that game. You didn't have David Bakhtiari. This line has really held their own the last couple of weeks without him. And you really passed the ultimate test when you had to deal with that front led by Aaron Donald. And I understand Aaron Donald wasn't 100%, but that was still a pretty darn good feat to overcome that. And I feel like if you can overcome that, you can overcome anything at this point with this line. No, I completely agree. Elton Jenkins, I was only half joking when I said right now, I think he's the best football player on the planet. He's obviously not a quarterback. He's not a wide receiver. Aaron Donald's the best defensive player in the world. And even with that injury, I mean, I remember Reggie White having that same injury and still being able to function and make plays. And I'm not ripping into Aaron Donald. He's great. I give him a lot of credit um, for playing in that game. In fact, I liked seeing him cry after the game. I was like, man, that's the kind of guy I want on my team. He actually cares. But Elton Jenkins could play any position on the offensive line. Uh, as a rookie, he didn't give up a sack. He's given up one sack only in his entire career. And it's not only the offensive line, because Corey Lindsley, I think, also should uh, – I think the offensive line should have got the game ball. And I think they should have split it in half, especially between Corey Lindsley and Elton Jenkins. They were great. But also, Joe, the tight ends blocked down the field. I mean, Mercedes Lewis is pretty much a glorified tackle uh, at the tight end position. And then Alan Lazard, I think he's one of the best – blocking wide receivers in the league that's what I love about these two tight end formations you use Lazard and that's where you get that dagger in the fourth quarter because he finds himself open because what the the beautiful thing about having Lazard on the field is he's big and strong enough that he's able to block outside linebackers he's able to you know block uh, defensive ends and pass rushers and he can make plays down the field so now I understand like I still wish they would have drafted a wide receiver but I understand why they like these guys so much MVS Alan Lazard because they block downfield. Guys like Odell Beckham Jr., they're not going to block down the field the same way that, you know, an Alan Lazard is going to. Yeah, we'll uh we're going to get more into this wide receiving core coming up in the next hour with, you know, whether or not we've really seen significant improvements or if it's just number 12 making them better. We'll talk about that coming up in the next hour. Kevin, I'm curious from you, um and I should have asked you this during the break. Were you at Lambo this past Sunday? No, uh, no, we had um, we had Scott Grodsky and uh, and Darius Joshua uh, from our sports department up there this past Sunday. But no, they 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 know that you know I've been around for too many Packers playoff losses. They want better <laughs> luck up there. Well, I I feel the same way because everyone thinks I'm a jinx when I go and cover these big games. Um, well, I'll say this though, and I don't know what what those guys told you, but 
when you when you're watching the game on TV, it looked like there were more than eight thousand fans there. Like to me, it looked like there was at least thirty thousand sitting in Lambeau Field, and it sounded like there were fifty thousand based on the crowd. I I just I, it, that just seemed to me we weren't really sure going into the game how eight thousand fans would sound, but to have that fan support and the fact they were louder than what people expected. Now home field advantage means even more if you're the Green Bay Packers. And the Green Bay Packers even said, a lot of those guys in the locker room said after that game of how much the fan support really helped, and it's certainly going to help going into this game coming up on Sunday. Yeah, it's the truth. It, it really will. And it, it's the way Aaron Rodgers reacted, the emotion with which he reacted because those fans chanted MVP. And, and man, there's just a difference between – preparing and playing the way the Packers have played, the way most of the league has played all year in front of no fans where you can hear little things happening at the line versus having that fan noise. Cause that it, it does impact the game in the sense that if it's your offense in your house, the fans are going to let you work. But if it's the other offense in your house, they can disrupt. They can be loud enough to disrupt. And what we learned was 8,000, is loud enough to be legitimately heard, loud enough to disrupt, loud enough to motivate uh, the team. So, yeah, I'm with you 100%. There are two home field advantages now back in uh, the Packers' favor. There's the, the, the fans and there's the weather because even though some of the Buccaneers have played plenty of games in snow, it's not the case for the whole team, and it's certainly not the case for most of their season. It's going to be tough for them. Yeah, let's talk about that coming up on the other side. How much weather is really going to play a fact, or is this talk about weather just totally overrated and the Buccaneers are going to be fine dealing with 29-degree weather? We'll talk about that coming up on the other side. That was Kevin Holden, CBS 58, part of the panel tonight, also a part of the panel is one Ryan Horvat of 1250 AM, the fan in Milwaukee as well. I'm Radio Joe. It's the huddle served up by Bud Light Seltzer. Unquestionably good. We will have more coming up right after this. You're listening to the Big Show Radio Network. You know, for one reason or another, we've just done a good job. Some years it's been like that. I've been a part of other teams where it wasn't quite like that. Um, let's keep that streak going. That'd be pretty sweet. So let's get another one. We're going to be challenged to get it because we're going up against, like I said, a great football team. It's a great environment. I mean, this is one of the coolest stadiums in the league to play in. And, uh, you know, I know they're excited. We'll be excited. It'll be make for a great football game. Now, if you've been following the NFL for uh, at least – a year or two, you would know this voice very well. That's Tom Brady of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and it's worth noting that the Buccaneers have won seven straight games on the road this year, including this last one here against New Orleans. Now they come up to the frozen tundra. They are not playing in a dome this time. Here we go, baby. Here we go. It is the huddle served up by Bud Light Seltzer. Unquestionably good. I'm Radio Joe alongside my guest tonight, Ryan Horvat from 1250 AM, The Fan in Milwaukee, and also from the Brew City, CBS 58 sports director, the one and only Kevin Holden. Uh, before we get into the weather aspect of this game, guys, you know, when you watch that game between Tampa Bay and New Orleans last Sunday, didn't it kind of reassure you even more that, yeah, the Buccaneers are good, but it's not like they're that 
good, especially against New Orleans. I mean, that game went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. It helped that Tampa Bay had the turnovers that they did against Drew Brees. But, I mean, Kevin, what did you take away from that? I mean, did that just kind of reinforce things that the Packers are the better team here? It's, I mean, I think a couple of takeaways that, that came from it. I, I did feel a little bit better, but I would have felt a lot better if Jared Cook hadn't fumbled the football and the Saints could have gone up by two scores fairly late in that game because I think the Saints had a chance to, you know, really, you know, put their foot on the necks of, uh, of the Buccaneers and they just couldn't do it. They, I mean, man, Jared Cook really had a chance to do something there. And, and that was unfortunate because I think Breeze and the Saints would have had a much worse time uh, than, than Brady and the Buccaneers will against the Rodgers at, uh, at Lambeau Field. But the other takeaway was what the Buccaneers showed was when you this is the, the product of having a, an all-time quarterback because this happens with the Packers all the time. When there's a little opening, when there's a little chance, there's this imposition of will that happens. And it's, a, it's an incredible thing to watch. But we've watched Rodgers do it time and time again in the playoffs, and Brady does the same thing. When that little window was open, they ran right through it. And, and what it tells you is what the Packers have to do is not turn the ball over in, the, in that game this Sunday. They have to keep away from the turnovers. They have to definitely not replicate what they did in October in Tampa Bay because the Buccaneers might be the best of anybody in the league of taking advantage of those turnovers. Ryan, what say you? I mean, takeaways from that game, and I mean, I certainly agree with Kevin when it comes to turnovers here. There's just no way in hell Aaron Rodgers is going to have the same kind of game Drew Brees had. It's just there, There's just no way here. So, I mean, do, did you look at it after that game and say, yeah, I mean, the Packers, they're clear favorites in this game. Let's not let, Let's not try to freak out about this. Yeah, that is pretty much my takeaway. You know, what's crazy is I actually think the Saints overall are a better football team than Tampa Bay. I, I think that they have a better special teams unit. I think they have the better coaching staff. But Drew Brees turned the ball over three times. He threw three interceptions. Jared Cook fumbled the ball. Uh, Tampa Bay scored on three of those four turnovers, and that's hard to come back from. I honestly think that Jameis Winston – legitimately would have given New Orleans a better chance to win. And I hate to say that Drew Brees has had a great career, but he clearly couldn't make the throws. And it was actually kind of tough to watch. And if you go back to their playoff loss last year, even uh, the Saints against Minnesota, it was kind of on Drew Brees as well. Teddy Bridgewater was undefeated, uh, filling in for Brees, had seven touchdown passes to just one interception. I thought they should have went that route. With Tampa Bay, you know, Tom Brady, again, he didn't do a whole lot in this game. He didn't really have to, but he only threw for 199 yards. I think he will turn the ball over once or twice in this game, and I think the key to beating Tampa Bay in the cold weather is to hit Tom Brady, the same way that the Giants did in those uh, two Super Bowls where they beat him with the NASCAR pass rush. You know, I I think that this matchup is going to favor Green Bay with the cold weather. You know, I keep going back and forth. How much of a difference is it going to make? because Tom Brady's obviously played in the cold. You look at everybody else on this roster, they haven't really played in the cold weather. So I think it's going to play a factor. You know, I look at the matchups, even Mike Evans in this game against the Saints, he only caught one pass against Jair in the last matchup. He only caught one pass. So I I really like this matchup, especially at Lambeau Field in the cold. All right, well, let's hear from Bruce Arians. This is what he had to say earlier this week about the cold. It's just a matter of staying warm on the sidelines because when you're out there on the field, it's, there's, I don't know if anybody – every time I played in Green Bay, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Buffalo, nobody was cold out on the field. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just 
it's a matter of it's, men, it's more mental than staying warm on the sideline. Got all that technology now uh, with heaters and everything else. So it's it's really not it's it's, it's different, but it's 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 not that big difference. Yeah, I mean, what's Bruce Arians going to say that? Oh man, we 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 really need to be prepared because if we're if we're not, we're going to be freezing our butts off. It's going to slow us down. And I I just like Kevin, I don't expect Bruce Arians to come out and try to say that the cold weather would impact his team. But you're a guy that's from the South. You you spent a lot of time in the South. When you're coming up to a cold climate like Wisconsin. It does take some time for your body to adjust. That's just the truth. Even even in Tom Brady's case, yeah, he's been in New England for a long time, but he's also had a lot of time now in Florida for his body to get used to that kind of weather. So that there is some truth to that, that you do have to adjust. Oh, there's no doubt about that. In fact, uh, there's some pretty funny stories about that because before we moved here, my wife and I uh, lived in Orlando. So we essentially lived in the climate that these Buccaneers live in now in Tampa. And we came up the first time we came up here before I started my job was at the end of August and it was 57 degrees uh, on an August morning. Not that unusual for here. We were freezing polar vortex. Oh, at 57, they were trying (laughs) to show us places to live. And I'm like, I want to go inside. I do not want to be outside anymore. I want to be inside. So, and this was 57 degrees. Like, when, when we were in Florida, anything in the 50s was like when when I, I'd call it weather wimp status. The weather wimp would take over like, oh, man, it's it's too chilly. It's in the 50s. So that's that's a, a real, real deal. The difference in climate, just what it does to the body if you're not used to it is it, it is it's absolutely a legitimate thing. And 20 something degrees to folks here is not a big deal. It's not the type of weather I don't think that will have that direct impact. Like the, you know, you'll be able to throw the ball just fine. It's not going to affect that. Uh, kicking the ball is not going to be an issue, but just the general feeling on the skin is a little bit different. And again, it doesn't have to affect everybody, but if it affects a fourth of the, of the other team, then that's a significant number of players. If it slows them down, that means something. Yeah, no question about it. The weather right now, the latest forecast, is a high of 29 in Green Bay, cloudy with snow showers mainly during the morning, um, and the winds, what are the winds? The winds are barely going to be 10 miles an hour. So obviously, if it got more windy, it would certainly change a lot when it comes to the game plan for both teams, but that's kind of where things are right now. And again, we we all know how the weather works. It changes by the second. So maybe there'll be something more meaningful in the coming days here. But Ryan, I mean, flipping it, going back to that first game against Tampa Bay in week six, when the Packers had to come down and get used to warmer weather, how much stock do you really take away from that game? I mean, is that, is that just one of those games for you that you can just say, okay, they needed to be humbled a little bit. It is what it is. Or is there more concern based on what you saw in week six? You know what, Joe? I actually, um, I went back, I watched that game, and I'm more encouraged after watching that game because they played one of the worst games. Well, obviously, I'd say, I mean, there was the two losses to San Francisco where Kyle Shanahan embarrassed Matt LaFleur. This game, though, they get off to the fast start, right? They put 10 points on the board. And usually they dominate in the second quarter of games. They've outscored their opponents, I think, by like plus 125. This is the point differential. They dominate in the second quarter. It was the only game of the season where they didn't score any points in the second quarter. 
Rodgers throws back-to-back picks, a rare pick six, and then gets picked off on the next drive as well. You know, what I took away is they've really changed a lot uh, since that game. Now, in that game, they used no pre-snap motion. They were uh, without David Bakhtiari, which they'll be with a, without they'll be without David Bakhtiari again. But now going into this one, they know that. And what they've done is they've really changed their protection. Uh, they've changed the way that they protect Aaron Rodgers after that game, because in that game, Rodgers had to face the blitz and he was under heavy pressure that entire game. He gets sacked three times, which leads to those two picks. Um, they blitzed him that entire game. Since then, though, Joe, uh, he's went against the same blitz packages and he has not taken a sack against the blitz. The Panthers tried to do the same thing against them. The Titans have done the same thing. The bears tried to do the same thing and they didn't get home with even Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn in that defense. And the reason why is they've really, they've stopped using the wide receivers. And I saw Ben Fennel actually did something on this. Um, and I think he's great. He does great work, but he was talking about this as well, where now they're using their running backs more in protection. So every week, you know, I keep making these predictions where I'm like, okay, Aaron Jones is going to catch six balls for 75 yards and a touchdown. And that hasn't been the case. Like weeks one through four, the running backs were averaging 71 receiving yards per game. Week six through 17 after Tampa Bay, they're only averaging 36 yards per game. And that's why I love me some Jamal Williams. And I want to see plenty of him against Tampa Bay because he's so good in pass protection. And even Aaron Jones has improved in pass protection. The one thing I'll say after I watch that film against Tampa Bay that scares me those linebackers, Devin White, I mean, they are fast. They play sideline to sideline. They're going to be able to take Aaron Jones out of the game plan. So I really hope that we see plenty of Jamal Williams. I hope that we see plenty of A.J. Dillon just to kind of throw these guys off and use that play action. But you know what? Um, it was a fluke of a game. I think that game matters just as much as, you know, Tampa Bay's 38-3 to loss to New Orleans. You know, it was a regular season right. game, and I think you learned from it. Yeah, no question about it. He is Ryan Horvat of 1250 AM, the fan in Milwaukee, also alongside Kevin Holden of CBS 58. It's the huddle served up by Bud Light Seltzer, unquestionably good. We'll talk a little bit more about that coming up on the other side and also whether or not Tremont Williams can actually make an impact for the pack after they're bringing him back. That was really cool to see, but doesn't really matter a whole lot. That's coming up next here on the Big Show Radio Network. Border to Border, the Big Show Radio Network. No, I think no more pressure than usual. Um, I think a lot of times, you know, storylines and pressure and those kind of comments are, you know, good stuff for you guys to write about. But I think it starts with the mentality and the focus. Obviously, I put pressure on myself to perform every single week, but I don't feel any extra pressure going on this week. He knows what's on the line. That's Aaron Rodgers, quarterback for your Green Bay Packers, as the huddle served up by Bud Light Seltzer continues a couple minutes before the top of the hour. Um, Kevin, I was going to get your thoughts on that Tampa Bay game. We'll talk about that in the next hour. I do want to get your thoughts, though, on the addition of Tremont Williams and whether or not this really helps the pack here. It's, you know, the, I think you can never have enough veteran presence. And one of the things Tremont Williams is or was, was a member of a champion team, uh, a, you know, a Super Bowl champion Packers team. So he's th- that player isn't going to be around from a talent standpoint, but he can he can tell guys what it's like, that path to a championship. Plus, he was one of Ted Thompson's best undrafted free agent signings. So bring it. I love it. Ryan, what about you with Tremont Williams? What do you think he can bring, or is is it just the leadership and some advice for some of these younger guys? 
Yeah, I think the leadership, some advice for the younger guys. It's great to see him back. It'd be awesome to see him get another ring. And, uh, you know, man, I, I honestly, I trust him out on the field if needed. I trust him more than I trust uh, Josh Jackson, to be quite honest with you. I think you could use him on special teams. One thing I don't want to see, I don't know that I want to see Tremont at this stage of his career returning punts. He may be the best option right now. I just don't want to see it. But you know what? I feel comfortable with him on the field. Uh, he's got, like you said, the veteran leadership, I think, is what's most important. though. Yeah, I completely agree. And it'll be interesting to see how they use him, if they use him at all in this upcoming game against Tampa Bay. He's Ryan Horvat. You can follow him on Twitter at Ryan Horvat. Also, Kevin Holden, CBS 58. You can follow him on Twitter at 321QKevin. Not the letter Q, C-U-E, Kevin. He also needs a blue check mark. Horvat needs a blue check mark. I, I mean, we got to we got to figure this out here. All right, coming up after the top of the hour here on the huddle served up by Bud Light Seltzer, we will talk more about the matchups, the specific matchups on both sides of the football for the Packer offense against the Tampa Bay defense and vice versa. So stay tuned for that, and whether or not Aaron Rodgers is different than maybe other seasons we've seen Aaron Rodgers, or is it just business as usual? That is all coming up next. I'm Radio Joe Zenzola. Again, it's the huddle served up by Bud Light Seltzer, unquestionably good. Hour number two coming up next here on the Big Show Radio Network. Station strong, the Big Show Radio Network. In 49 other states, football is just a game. But this is Wisconsin. The Green Bay Packers have won the Super Bowl. The Lombardi Trophy is coming home. Wisconsin fans demand the best. The best analysis. The best interviews. The best coverage, and no one delivers like the Big Show Radio Network. It is the huddle served up by Bud Light Seltzer. Unquestionably good. Hour number two. Thanks for tuning in tonight, Wisconsin, wherever you may be. I'm Radio Joe Zenzola, keeping you guys company. And also on the panel tonight from the Bart Winkler pregame show, which is weekdays at 5 a.m. So this guy has to get up early. I also like to call it the Ryan Horvath show because it's literally his show and it's all him. Uh, is one Ryan Horvat. He is on the panel tonight. Also on the panel, a mainstay on this show. I believe it's his fourth time on the show this year. Kevin Holden of CBS 58, sports director. He is also a part of tonight's panel. We'll get to more of them here in just a second. Just want to let you guys know, tomorrow on the big show across the great state of Wisconsin, we are loaded. We will be talking to the Harlins. Uh, starting off the show is Bob Harlan, the former Packers chairman and CEO. He's going to join us to reflect on the life of Ted Thompson. And then later on in the show, he's going to be on the call for Westwood One. 
On Sunday for the Packer game, Kevin Harlan, Bob's son, the great Kevin Harlan will be joining us. We'll also talk with Andrew Brandt, former Packers vice president who worked alongside Ted for many years as the capologist. He will be joining us on the show tomorrow, so a lot to get to. So be sure to set your reminders. Uh, Same time, same place on many of these network stations. Uh, You get the big show here on the Big Show Network, so some really good stuff there. So let's get back into this as we uh, continue to get you ready here for Packers and Buccaneers because it is going to be one heck of a game coming up on Sunday. And, Kevin, something I wasn't able to get to you in the first hour of the show um, is just how much stock you put into that Week 6 loss for how bad it was and for the fact that the Buccaneers put up 38 unanswered. Are there things you can look back on that and say, well, you know what? some concerns there or is this just something where it was an off day and you just throw away the tape and you move on how do you see it well i think that uh what you learned about the buccaneers that day that was was reinforced in this game against the saints uh this past week is when when you turn the ball over they will take advantage of it and that makes their defense a a difficult sort of thing because it it isn't always turnover and then Tom Brady touchdown pass. Sometimes it's turnover and touchdown in the same play as we learned in that Buccaneers game with the pick six. So that's one part of it. I'm not, I'm not terribly concerned about something sticking in the heads of, of the, of the Packers players. I mean, I think the difference between any football team in October and January is significant. The good teams especially have evolved in that time frame. The one most important thing that I think, uh, the, it, the advantage that it gives the Packers is that Aaron Rodgers throughout his career has been at his best when there's been something to overcome, when there's been some sort of chip on the shoulder going right back to draft day. And, and when they were four and six and it was run the table or when they were one and two and it was R-E-L-A-X, like he, he has a way when pushed against the wall of responding. And so the fact that there is game tape of being dominated by the Buccaneers defense, I think might actually play a little bit into the Packers' favor because whatever that is inside Aaron Rodgers is going to be motivated by what he saw in in week six in Tampa. Yeah, let's talk about Aaron Rodgers, shall we? I mean, we all know he's the MVP. We all know how amazing he's been and the fact that this has been, been his best season since 2011. But Ryan, is there something different about Aaron this year compared to maybe other seasons? Or is this just literally same old Aaron Rodgers? This is just how good he is. This guy is first ballot Hall of Famer. End of story. No, I think there's a lot that's different this season. You know, first off, he's fully healthy. He's not playing with a broken leg that we find out about like six months later. Uh, He's not playing with a broken collarbone or rushing back from an injury. He had a full offseason where he was fully healthy. Now he's changed his diet, but he did that a couple seasons ago. You know, he kind of went through his process when he was on the Pat McAfee show, and he's been great on that show on Tuesdays. And you're seeing a new side of him where he's opening up more. What I love about Aaron Rodgers um, is that he's become the leader that I always wanted Aaron Rodgers to become, right? Because he's always had the talent. But what's always drove me nuts, and I'm at the station, uh, at our flagship station, the fan, I'm the Aaron Rodgers apologist. I love the guy. I always say he's my last favorite pro athlete all time. Um, But he's become the leader that I always wanted him to be, because even if you go back to the playoff loss against San Francisco last season, when they got punched in the mouth, he sat on the sideline and he was kind of moping. And we've seen that in playoff losses. You know, we've seen guys drop balls and Rodgers not want to go back to those. 
guys. This season, we've seen a different side of Aaron Rodgers. Hell, we just saw it against the Rams. I mean, or Alan Lazard drops a huge pass. Rodgers has faith in him, goes back to him, and it works out for the best. Alan Lazard scores a touchdown. So I think that, obviously, like you, I mean, Kevin, you're in, you're in all these Zoom meetings. You hear him speak to the media. He opens up a little bit more. Uh, you know, you see him smiling a lot more. And I think the reason for that is because he knows now that he doesn't have another 10 years here in Green Bay. You know, he sees the light at the end of the tunnel. He's got, you know, as he says, he's on the back nine of his career. And man, say what you want about that guy. He loves playing football for the Green Bay Packers. He always talks about how important it is for him to finish his career in Green Bay. And that's the most important part uh, for him of his legacy, you know, even over winning another Super Bowl. Uh, but yeah, we've definitely seen a different side of Aaron Rodgers, a much better side of Aaron Rodgers, and it's been fun to watch. It really has. And and Kevin, I mean, I, I don't know how much you look at this to say whether or not that Jordan Love draft selection motivated Aaron Rodgers even more for him to maybe take his game up to the next level. I don't know how much you buy into that notion, but keep in mind, during the offseason, Aaron Rodgers started looking at game tape from when he was having those ridiculous seasons in 2010 and 2011. Like He went all the way back to really study, and that's the first time he has ever said that publicly that he went and did that. So I just think there are many different things that have motivated Aaron Rodgers, and I think also it helps that he has a game plan led by Matt LaFleur that he likes and that they've been able to compromise. It has just been a formula for so much success. It is, it is that, Joe, and, and the thing is, uh, for, for Rodgers, I think the Jordan Love selection wasn't a, uh, a motivation by scaring Aaron Rodgers because Aaron Rodgers is, in some statistical measures, the best quarterback ever to play the game, and right. Jordan Love still hasn't you know played in the NFL. So this is uh, you know a significant difference, right? I don't, he wasn't going to be unseated, but what I think it did was it may have pushed Rodgers to a little bit of a, of a different – phase a different mindset because uh you'll see this sometimes with with uh, elite level athletes and they start to realize that they are they're nearing the point where you can see i mean look he's not going to retire this year but there's an end and it's out there at some point in the not crazy distant future and it makes elite athletes approach their their job and their lives and their work a little differently they live in the moment in a different way because they start to understand that the moment isn't going to be there, uh, you know, that much longer in their lives. So they, you know, they, they appreciate it more. They live in it more. The, the one name that comes to mind and it's, it's way off from our conversation is Oral Hershiser, who was stoic as a Dodger, but really emotional as a Cleveland Indian because he got back to a world series and he wore his emotions on his sleeve late in his career. In Roger's case, I think he realizes I'm only going to do this so many more years. I better have fun doing it. And once he lives in the moment, he realizes, as you say, he's got a great relationship with a coach that knows what he's doing, that is doing his best to help Rodgers succeed. And instead of trying to worry about 2024, Rodgers is just enjoying what he's got right now. And it's and it's been fun to see. It's a renaissance a bit for, for a guy who, you know, has been elite, but is at a different level this year. Kevin, I'll keep it with you, actually, and this was a question we posed earlier this week on the big show, and it was simply this. Like, who, b between Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, who really needs this more for their legacy? And I, th I feel like the consensus is Rodgers, but I also heard some takes for Tom Brady. 
Where do you see that between those two? I still think it is Rodgers because the, the unfortunate thing is if you've got a knock against Rodgers at this point, it's that he won a Super Bowl early and it's been a decade now and he hasn't been able to get back to that, that same point again. He's been close and it hasn't been on him. He's had there have been everything from defensive troubles to special teams lapses that that have you know hurt them in NFC championship games. I think Rodgers needs it more, but I understand the idea of Brady not as a patriot being able to accomplish this away from New England. I get that. I think I think it is very significant for both quarterbacks, but from a legacy standpoint, almost without question, Rodgers needs this more. Ryan, how about you? I mean, when you think about it with Tom Brady, I mean, this would be incredible if the dude wins a Super Bowl with a different team and not having Bill Belichick behind him. I mean, it certainly would go a long way for his legacy, but Rodgers or Brady, who do you think needs this more? Yeah, that's a great question because you could really make the argument, you know, for both quarterbacks, for either quarterback, because with Tom Brady, you know, there were points in his career where he was labeled as just a game manager. He had some really fantastic seasons, the season that I brought up earlier where they go obviously 16 and 0 in the regular season and he's, you know, breaking every single possible record. He's throwing the ball to Randy Moss and Wes Welker. But for the majority like he's always had, you know, all six Super Bowl rings, he's had a top 10 defense. You know, he's played with he's played for, you know, arguably the greatest head coach in NFL history one of the best play callers in Josh McDaniels. So he's been labeled a system quarterback. Now he wants to prove, you know, that he's responsible for those Super Bowl rings. Um, and he wants to prove that he could do it on his own. With Rodgers, you know, I, I kind of hate how we, how we judge success, like in all of pro sports. Like when we talk LeBron James and Michael Jordan, and we compare the two of them, who's the true GOAT? What does everybody always bring up? The championship rings of Michael Jordan. And while I agree, Jordan... I mean, he's always going to be the greatest player of all time in my book. You know, I hate that we just base everything off of rings. I almost feel like Tom Brady and the Patriots have have kind of ruined the way that we view other players' legacies. Like, I think Dan Marino is one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game, and he doesn't have a Super Bowl ring. I think if we talk NBA basketball, I think Charles Barkley is one of the most impressive players in NBA history I've ever seen. The guy was a 6'6 power forward in a time where, you know, everybody else was 6'10", 6'11", and he was still pulling down, you know, 15 rebounds and scoring 20 points per game. And with Rodgers, we always just talk about, hey, it's been a great career, but he only has the one Super Bowl ring. And we did the same thing with Brett Favre. Great career, but only one Super Bowl ring. So I think it's very important for Aaron Rodgers' legacy in Green Bay because, I mean, personally, you know he wants one more Super Bowl ring than Brett Favre. He wants two. He wants three. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lean Aaron Rodgers here, but – I think you could really make case for both quarterbacks. Yeah, no question about it. He is Ryan Horvat of the Bart Winkler pregame show, also known as the Ryan Horvat show, 5 a.m. weekdays here on 1250 a.m. The Fan in Milwaukee, our fine flagship station. Also from CBS 58 in Milwaukee is one Kevin Holden, the sports director who does a fine, fine job and has to handle all this staff like Scott Grodsky and Christina Tuso. I know that's very tough for him. Uh, I'm kidding. Other side of the break, we will look more into this matchup. First, we will look at the Packers' defense going up against Tom Brady and the offense, and then we'll flip-flop things a little bit later on as well. It's the huddle served up by Bud Light Seltzer, unquestionably good. I'm Radio Joe Zenzola, and we will have more right after this. Wisconsin-wide, the Big Show Radio Network.
closing in on Packers, Buccaneers, coming up on Sunday at Lambeau Field. Getting you ready for it here on the huddle, served up by Bud Light Seltzer, unquestionably good. I'm Radio Joe, alongside my guests Ryan Horvat and Kevin Holden. This was Mike Patton today, actually, talking about facing Tom Brady again for the second time this year. Um, yeah, just having going against him so many times, you know, being, being in Baltimore, playing him a bunch, and then New York twice a year, even three times in one year, and then Buffalo twice. I mean, it's it's as a bit as big a challenge as you'll face as a as a as a coordinator as as a defensive staff because he, he doesn't miss anything and, and that's the, that's the thing and if you have an, if you have an area of weakness whether it was in New England or, or now Tampa Bay they, they will they will exploit it uh, and continue to exploit it until until you make make a correction and, and force them out of it so no, it's, a, it's a huge challenge I mean there's it's it's a pretty clear you know obviously he's going to be he's going to go down as you know one of the best of all of all time for me it's it's a i just love it because it's a great challenge for our guys that that um you know hey to go to the super bowl i mean we we have to beat tom brady i mean i think our guys are they're excited for the challenge but we've made sure that we've stressed it all week you know knowing what what they're in for really if there's anyone that knows tom brady well it is mike Pettin from all of his time with the cleveland browns and obviously being a coordinator under rex ryan for all those years but ryan i'll start with you it, it just seems like if there is one big key to this game, you need to continue to see this Packer pass rush just get after it. I mean, Zadarius Smith, Rashawn Gary, I mean, these guys have looked so good. Preston Smith has brought it up. That, to me, is what really stands out here. You want to make Tom Brady as uncomfortable as uncomfortable can be. Absolutely, Joe, especially at his age in the cold weather. I love when we talk like about guys like Tom Brady or we talk about Aaron Rodgers really quick on a side note and we're like he's on the back nine of his career and I'm like man then I'm on the back nine of my career because like I'm almost hitting my mid-30s and now we look at these guys in the NFL like Aaron Rodgers he's what 37 30 years old we treat him like he's like 70 years old same thing with Tom Brady Tom Brady looks really good right now but the key to beating Tom Brady has always been the same you have to hit him if you let Tom Brady sit in the pocket and pick you apart Tampa Bay is going to win this game Now, what I love has been the Packers' defense the second half of the season, really since the Tennessee game especially. I mean, they're playing a little bit more man-to-man rather than just zone coverage. I want to see the same defensive game plan that they had against Jared Goff. Against a guy like Jared Goff or Tom Brady, they really can't move outside of the pocket, so you could play more man-to-man rather than more zone. And Rashawn Gary has been fantastic really since the second half of the season again. I mean, look what he did against the Rams. He tied his uh, season high. He had seven quarterback pressures against Jared Goff. He made life really uncomfortable. You look what he did all season long, 46 total quarterback pressures, second on the team next to just the uh, Zedarius Smith. So, again, yeah, that's that's the key to the game. you got to get pressure on Brady, and if you do that, you could force him into turning the football over. If he turns the football over two times in this game, Green Bay is going to win because I promise you this, Aaron Rodgers is not turning the ball over again against Tampa Bay. Well, when we talk about golf analogies with Tom Brady, I would say he's already on the 19th hole. Like, right. <laughs> it, like, like it's just, it is incredible that this dude is still playing at the the highest of levels that you would expect for a guy that's in his 40s. Kevin, you know, the one thing is with Brady, he's got so many weapons to throw to. Like, I, I, I don't, I don't care who you are. Like, the tight ends have been loaded. The receivers have certainly been loaded. We don't know if Antonio Brown's going to play in this game. I mean, they're they're listing him as a game time decision. He didn't practice again today. 
but I mean, for you, what do you fear most when it comes to all these weapons that Tom Brady has to throw to right now? Well, I think when you're talking about the number one option, whatever option you put on Jair Alexander is going to be fine. That's that's going to play in the Packers' favor like it has every game all season because Jair Alexander has been absolutely phenomenal. The question is, how does the second matchup go? How does the third matchup go? How do the Packers scheme when, when you're talking about Godwin and Evans and you're talking about Gronkowski and this rejuvenated Leonard Fournette and so on and so forth? Like you – you have to have answers for each of those questions. And even when it's one player, when it's you know a team with one star receiver, it's a different animal. But when you're talking about this many, my concern is farther down the line, third option, fourth option, fifth option. I think Brady could be wearing those guys out as the game goes on. He could be using those guys uh, you know, a tremendous amount as, as the game goes on. So if you're talking about a level of concern, that's probably it. I'm pretty confident in the Packers – defense in general but uh, you know beyond that first or second matchup I, I get a little more worried there's more depth talent wise you're talking third fourth fifth option on that Buccaneers team Ryan what do you do with Jair Alexander do you keep him on Mike Evans the entire game do you move him around do you think Antonio Brown factoring into this could maybe change it like I mean wh- what would you do if you're Mike Pettin having Jair Alexander at your disposal, trying to utilize him against this impressive group of receivers. Yeah, I have him shut down Mike Evans in this ball game, but I completely agree with what uh, Kevin said. Like, I honestly, I think that the, the story of this game is going to be what you role players do for Tampa Bay, because I think Mike Evans will finish this game with, with less than four catches. I think Jair will be on him probably 75% of the snaps, I would say at least, and he's going to shut him down. But then it's, is Antonio Brown, well, first off, is he playing in this ballgame? You know, is he fully healthy? Is he even 80%? Um, I'm worried about a guy like Scotty Miller, you know, a slot receiver that's going to come out of nowhere and catch a 75-yard pass when we least expect it. You know, I think that with the defensive backs, I think Kevin King and Jair Alexander are going to do their job. I don't think we're going to hear much from Mike Evans or Chris Godwin in this game. But again, you know what concerns me is the running backs because Ronald Jones had a big day against this Packers defense and went for over a hundred yards. Now lately it's been all Leonard Fournette and he looks as good as he did when he was in Jacksonville, those first couple of years, he looks as good as he did when he was at LSU. They're using him as a pass catcher. He's running the football well. And so I'm worried about the run game. And then another thing that concerns me, Rob Gronkowski, it comes this season. He's looked a little bit washed up, uh, but against the green Bay Packers, he made plays down the field and also Cameron Brake he's all of a sudden become a top tight end. So I'm afraid of those tight ends, the crossing routes, and then obviously the running game. That's what concerns me. I don't think it's going to be Mike Evans that beats you, but I can see it being somebody like Scotty Miller or Cameron Bray. Yeah, I agree with you on Cameron Braid. And actually I think he's, I think he's a pretty underrated tight end. Like I'm actually yeah. surprised the Buccaneers never gave him more opportunities in Tampa because, you know, they drafted OJ Howard. So that, that took some snaps away from him and then bringing back Gronkowski obviously pushed him back until Howard got hurt. But I mean, really there are a lot of impressive weapons here and Kevin, I mean, flipping, flipping over to the Packers defense and the run defense. I mean, the linebackers, Chris Barnes, starting with him has been really impressive and also, it looks like Kingsley Kiki might be coming back in this game as well. He's been in the concussion protocol. I just think up front for the Packers, that is going to be another critical aspect about this, is keeping guys like Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones in check. 
Yeah, and Ryan hit it on the head. I mean, you got two two main things you got to do. You got to hit Brady a little bit. You, you got to just make sure he's not comfortable. But then you do have to contain when it comes to that run game. I thought it was uh, encouraging, at least, that Cam Akers didn't go bonkers in that game this past week because it was pretty clear that if Cam Akers, uh, you know, found a rhythm, if he was able to run the way he had in some of the other games late in a regular season, that it was going to be a problem for the Packers. And it wasn't. And that's a good thing that that does make me feel better if they can do that, knowing they have to contain acres. I think they can at least pay enough attention to the Buccaneers ground game to keep it in check and then put the rest of their focus on Brady. But look, this is the NFC championship game. It's not meant to be easy. It's not supposed to be easy. And, and if you're thinking about trying to, you know, uh, pressure Brady, make sure that Brady, you know, feels you a little bit, but then on the say at the same time, trying to contain a run game. If it sounds difficult, I think it's because it is difficult. This is not an easy task for these guys. He is Kevin Holden of CBS 58 alongside Ryan Horvat of 1250 AM. The fan in Milwaukee. I'm radio Joe. It is the huddle served up by Bud Light Seltzer and coming up just a little bit. We will be making our predictions for this upcoming game between the Packers and Buccaneers. We will also get to the AFC championship as well between the bills and chiefs. But on the other side, let's flip the script. Aaron Rodgers and this offense going up against a pretty fierce Tampa Bay defense. We'll look at that matchup coming up on the other side here on the Big Show Radio Network. You're listening to the Big Show Radio Network. You never really know how a season's going to play out or really just how life's going to play out. And I think, you know, just kind of be able to take it in stride and be able to accept it um, for all the positive and negatives that, that I have this season that has entailed, you know, for me personally and for the team as well, um, with wins and losses and injuries um, for myself and through other guys. You know, we're, we're very excited and looking forward towards Sunday. A guy that's really emerged the last couple of years, Packers wide receiver Alan Lazard. He was an absolute nobody at training camp last year. And wow, talk about flipping the script and becoming one of those reliable guys for Aaron Rodgers. He's going to be someone to pay attention to coming up here on Sunday as the huddle served up by Bud Light Seltzer continues here on the Big Show Radio Network. I'm Radio Joe alongside Ryan Horvat from 1250 AM, the fan in Milwaukee. Also, Ryan will be co-hosting the Green and Gold pregame show uh, locally on the fan coming up at 11 a.m. on Sunday, getting you ready for the game. And don't forget, we will have the statewide Green and Gold postgame show with Steve Sparky Pfeiffer and former Packer and Badger running back Gary Ellerson immediately following the game as well. So we got you covered when it comes to the best Packers coverage. Also joining me here on the panel is Kevin Holden of CBS 58. And, of course, his station will be the home of the Super Bowl this year, which is always really cool when you go through the cycle every three years. Uh, so let's talk about the Packers offense going up against this Buccaneers defense. And this is a question I'll ask for both of you. Kevin, I'll start with you. You heard Alan Lazard there. This wide receiving core, do you think that these Packer wideouts are better this year than they were last year? Or is it just because they have a quarterback that's been playing at an MVP level? That's been the difference. Oh, man. That's, uh, that's an interesting way to look at it because, I mean – you've seen Rogers just transcend so much this year that, that you could probably put the case that, that a lot of this is on him, but you do have to have some kind of talent there. And I, I thought 
what you were saying about Alan Lazard coming back at the beginning of this segment got me thinking that Alan Lazard can't, went from relative obscurity, you know, one of these guys you hear about in August in the preseason and not much else, to a guy that they're relying on at this stage. And it reminds you of what happened with Devontae Adams a few years before where he was nearly cut coming out of a training camp and, uh, you know, then then has turned into one of the stars of the league. And I think it's interesting because you're, you're hitting on the thing that sets the Packers apart from other teams in the NFL, which is – these guys come in and they learn a system. They learn a way. They learn, you know, it is Ted Thompson had draft and develop and Aaron Rodgers in some form is the develop. He is the guy that brings the receivers along. So I don't want to take, uh, you know, too much away from receivers, guys that have learned and improved and gotten bigger and gotten better. But uh, this is this is on the quarterback. Aaron Rodgers has uh, has assumed what I think is one of his most important roles in any season in his career combination of stats and leadership this year. And it's made the receivers around him that much better. Ryan, how about you? Do you feel like this wide receiving core this year has taken a step compared to where they were last year? Or is it just because of Aaron Rodgers? I think, you know, the majority of it is because of Aaron Rodgers, because he's been so good, and also because Devontae is so good. Imagine if Devontae played 16 games this season, guys. The numbers that he put up. I mean, he caught 18 touchdown passes. That's more than the Rams secondary allowed all season. It's ridiculous. He really is the best receiver in the league. And he proved it this year. He's the best. uh, You know, he runs the best routes. He's got the best hands after really struggling those first couple years with drops. And I see – now, MVS is never going to be Devontae Adams, but I'll tell you this, MVS, you know, the old adage or whatever is you can't teach speed and he's a burner, but also what I like about MVS is he does block down the field and he has high football IQ. I think you saw in the second half against the Rams, Rodgers was serving up some, some balls that could have been picked off and MVS really in that one, on the one play uh, in the end zone really became a defender. Uh, that ball should have been picked off. He made a really smart football play. He blocks. He does everything that's asked of him. I really hope that he hangs on to the football this Sunday because I don't want the season to end with a bad drop. And I don't even want to actually speak that into uh, into existence. With Alan Lazard, uh, he's an awesome story because I was lucky enough that when I first got into the business, I had to start small market and I was in Iowa and I got to cover uh, mostly for the Hawkeyes because it was the Rose Bowl year. Uh, But I actually had the opportunity to go to Ames a couple times. And Al Lazard was there and he was a superstar. And I was actually shocked when it came to draft time and he goes undrafted and he's bouncing around practice squads. I was like, man, this guy's got all the tools. He's six foot five. He's strong. He could catch the football and he could block. I didn't understand why he wasn't getting picked up. Um, he's fit perfectly in this offense. So I think a lot of it has to do with Aaron Rodgers. Um, but guys, you know, they, when they're called upon, they fill the role, and, and and that's I think a lot of that has to do with Brian Gutekinds and Matt Lafleur showing faith in them, right? Not drafting another wide receiver in the first round, uh, giving them another shot. Uh, EQ, the jury's still out. I need to see more of him. Uh, the tight ends, I can tell you this: I love Robert Tunyon. I think right now he's the best tight end in the NFC. It's a damn shame that he's not going to the Pro Bowl, even though there's no game to be played. He should be getting the recognition over Evan Ingram. I promise you that. Yeah, preach one hundred ten percent. I. <laughs> 
totally agree with you. Um, Kevin, looking at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in this defense, the the one thing that really scares the crap out of me is their defensive front. I mean, and it starts with their two linebackers, Devin White and Levante, Levante David. I mean, they have just been impressive all year round. And then up front, too, I mean, Jason Pierre-Paul, the guy's 32 years old, and he can still play. And Dominic and Sue, for crying out loud, can still play. What, what scares you the most about the Buccaneers' front seven? Kevin, you're uh, muted. I was muted. Isn't that funny? See, I was waiting for that. I was. Th- this <laughs> happens every huddle that we do. There's always someone that forgets to unmute. So, Kevin, yeah. oh. congratulations. I, I win the award. Give me the give me the dunce cap. I'm good with it. Um, yeah, I mean, you when you've got guys uh, up front or really anywhere on the defense with the with the amount of talent that the Buccaneers have, and that is a loaded, talented group. Now, some of those players, as you mentioned, are a little bit past their optimum performance, a little past their prime, but they these are guys that have done this and they've done this in big games. My concern, I I would think is uh, that if that group gets hot early, they can break through and the Packers offensive line does not have the same success that they had against the Rams and the Buccaneers are able to bottle up Aaron Jones a little bit. Now you may force uh, the Packers into a bit of a different situation. Aaron Rodgers is going to help that obviously, but uh, if you're putting it all on him, if you're, if this is starting to remind you a little bit of Packers games of three or four or five years ago, before this running attack really came into being, uh, that that would be where they could make things difficult if they were able to bottle up Aaron Jones. And they, I mean, it's it, pressure is one thing, but stopping the run is is the other half, and that is uh, a significant half. And there were some, you know, tremendous games uh, from this defense late in the year. They held the Vikings to fourteen uh, back on the December thirteenth. They held the Lions to seven, but that's the Lions, whatever. But uh, you know, there there are other games in here that look impressive. And and so they have that in them, that there is that capability. Aaron Jones is good, but if that line matches him, it could be a problem. Well, and see, that's my biggest thing, Ryan, is when we look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in their front, they were number one in the NFL this year in run defense. I mean, they were holding runners to like 80 yards a game. That was it. To me, that that is the number one thing I'm looking really close at because I know you want to have a steady diet of all these running backs that the Packers have, all these weapons, but when you're trying to do it against this front, that to me is very concerning. The 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 Buccaneers secondary, you can you can get after that group. I mean, they're they're bottom third in the NFL when it comes to pass defense. But when we're talking about their front, I'm just very curious, like, how do you look at it with how the Packers can use these running backs against this group? Right, and that is what concerns me a little bit is that front, and it's Sue because there's one player in the league that could get in Aaron Rodgers' head, and it's him, and it's JPP, and it's guys that we haven't talked about in years, and now it's like they came back from the dead to haunt our Super Bowl dreams all over again. You know what I mean? But if they take away the run, man, That's what concerns me. I brought it up earlier. You know, the Packers ran the ball 36 times against the Rams. That's a tough defense to run the ball on as well. They only gave up 93 yards per game, but they were able to do so by using all three backs. And I think you're going to have to do the same thing. You know, if Aaron Jones is taken out of the game plan, you got to go to Jamal Williams. Jamal Williams ripped off a big run against Tampa Bay in the last meeting. And then we didn't see him again. And I get it was because you were playing from behind. So you had to kind of, you know, 
throw out the playbook and start throwing the football and dropping back with Aaron Rodgers. But if that's the case, Joe, and Rodgers has to drop back in this game 45 times and, we, and it looks like a Mike McCarthy-led offense, I think the Packers are screwed. Again, it goes down, It goes back to what can you do on first down? Are you able to pick up positive yardage on first down? If you look what the Packers did against the Rams, 118 yards rushing on first down, 118 yards passing on first down. That's perfect balance, man. Rodgers was 11 of 18 passing the ball on first down, and that opens up the play action. But you have to, again, yeah, you have to develop some sort of running game. And if it's not Aaron Jones and it's not Jamal Williams, don't be afraid to go back to A.J. Dillon if he's healthy enough to carry the ball in this game. You know, but you have to run the football. In the second half, I get that, again, they were down in that game, but they treated it like they were down four scores. You have to, you can't go away from, what's got you here. And that's been the run game for him. Yep. No question about it. He is Ryan Horvat. You can follow him on Twitter at Ryan Horvat. Also is Kevin Holden. You can follow Kevin on Twitter at three, two, one Q Kevin. That is C U E Kevin joining me here on the huddle. You can also follow me radio Joe at radio Joe sports and our new Twitter account as well. Big show network. Follow us there as well as the movement continues and the followers grow. That is where you want to be. On the other side, we will give our predictions for both the AFC and NFC Championship games, so stay tuned for that here on The Huddle, presented by Bud Light Seltzer, unquestionably good. Border to Border, the Big Show Radio Network. Just really... um... Can't say enough good things about Ted. Just a tremendous person, and uh, really will be missed. And you know, it's uh, obviously it's uh, recently it's been really tough. Not too long ago, we started looking at and uh, decided we're going to put his his name up in the stadium bowl. And I was able to been working on it for probably a month or so, and uh, you know, was able to convey that to Ted's family. We'll have a, we'll have a ceremony in, in the fall. And we'll Certainly, uh, I think uh, a fitting way to, uh, to 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 honor Ted for what he meant to the organization. Yeah, very cool. And it, that was, I mean, that was a guarantee, regardless. But it's just unfortunate that it had to happen now after Ted Thompson passed away earlier today at the age of sixty-eight. That was Packers president and CEO Mark Murth- Murphy. I'm Radio Joe. The huddle served up by Bud Light Seltzer continues here. We have just a few minutes, and we'll get to our predictions here for Packers Buccaneers uh, in just a second. But again, um, tomorrow on the big show, uh, to lead things off on the show, former Packers chairman and CEO Bob Harlan, he will reflect on the passing of Ted. Uh, that is coming up tomorrow. Also, a guy that worked alongside Ted for many years, Andrew Brandt, the former VP, capologist for the Packers. He will be joining us on the show tomorrow as well, so stay tuned for all of that. All right, gentlemen, let's look at the AFC Championship between the Bills and the Chiefs, and let's be perfectly honest here. Ryan, Patrick Mahomes is playing in this game, right? Would you agree, and what is your prediction? Yeah, I agree. I think he's going to play in this game. I mean, he's been at practice the last two days today. I mean, even though he's in the concussion protocol, he practiced today with a helmet on. I think the line in Las Vegas kind of proves that he's going to play one from two and a half to three points where the Chiefs are still favored. You know, I think the Bills legitimately can hang with the Chiefs, and I've thought that all year because they could score enough points to hang with them in a shootout. And what we saw from the Bills, granted it was against the Ravens and Lamar Jackson left that game in the third quarter, 
their defense played pretty damn well. Still, um, I think it's going to be a close one, but I'm not going to bet against Patrick Mahomes and still, until somebody actually knocks the Chiefs off. So I think it's going to be the Chiefs and a close one. I'm going to go 31-28. All right, Kevin, do you expect Patrick Mahomes to play and your prediction for this game? 100% I think he's going to play. I just <clears throat> You get to this stage of the season, if there is any sliver, any chance whatsoever, any hope, he will uh, he will be out on the field. I would I would bet that he will be out there. It's interesting. This AFC championship game is a, a referendum on the other side of quarterbacks. It's like you can talk about how you know the evolution of the game has happened or whatever, but in one conference you've got veteran quarterbacks, and in the other you've got young mobile quarterbacks battling for the conference title. So that QB position is still really important. I think it's the Bills' time, and I don't know if I have a whole lot to back that up other than just gut feeling, gut instinct, but I think the Bills have enough. They've got a couple of weapons in that receiving core. I like Josh Allen a lot. Patrick Mahomes will be difficult to stop, but I think the Bills are going to pull this out 30-29 and go to the Super Bowl. Woo-woo! You know what? I'm picking Buffalo, too. Do it. I I have been all about Buffalo this year. Josh Allen, it starts with him. But the fact that you were able to add a legit weapon, Stephon Diggs, that was the guy they needed in that offense to really make things go. And I've been high on their defense for a long time. They have really been building up that group. I'm going to say it's a very close game, but I'm going to pick the Buffalo Bills as well. I'm going to say 34-31 in that game. It should be a hell of a matchup. And hopefully... We will all be sitting pretty with the Green Bay Packers because they will be playing before the AFC Championship game. So we've got a couple of minutes here. Ryan Horvat, I'll start with you. Who wins between the Packers and Buccaneers? I'm going to go Green Bay 31-21. to I think it's going to be a close game, and I think Tom Brady's going to throw a late interception, and I think Jair's finally going to get his hands on one because I think Brady's going to test them. And I think Jair is going to end up being the hero. I think they're going to sack Brady three to four times. Rashawn Gary is going to end up with two sacks. And I think Aaron Rodgers is going to have a big game at Lambeau Field and head back to the Super Bowl finally. You know, I'm usually a believer, Joe, that uh, we just can't have nice things in Wisconsin. This team's too damn good, man, to be cursed. I think I think they're heading to the Super Bowl, and I think they get it done against Tampa Bay. Kevin, what about you? We got about 30 seconds. I think that everybody's going to focus on Devontae Adams and, and Alan Lazard and the other receiving options, and I think it is Tunyon time. Tunyon as in onions, because Buccaneers are going to be crying at the end of this one. It is going to be 27-20. Packers going to the Super Bowl. My heart is going to be racing throughout this whole thing, and I think it's going to be racing all the way to the bitter end. I'm going to say the Packers do win this game. They will beat Tom Brady in Tampa Bay. But it's going to be a shootout, 38-34. There's going to be a lot of points, I feel, in this game. But we shall see. Let's hope we're talking about the Packers going to the Super Bowl. It's long overdue. I'm tired of the misery. I'm tired of letdowns the last 10 years. The Packers are doing this. My thanks to Ryan Horvat of 1250 AM, The Fan, and also Kevin Olden of CBS 58. I'm Radio Joe Zenzola. You have listened to another installment of The Huddle, served up by Bud Light Seltzer. Our final show will be next week, 6 to 8. So uh, stay tuned for that, and should be some good stuff. Thanks to Sam Schmitz as well. Other side of the glass tonight. You guys have a good one. Go Pack. We'll talk to you tomorrow here on The Big Show. 16 stations strong. The Big Show Radio Network. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.